All right, well, I'm Nicole Mayo. I am a professor of psychology at a small university in North Central PA called Mansfield University. Um, I teach predominantly counseling classes. My area of expertise is actually in marriage and family therapy, and I do a little bit of therapy on the side. I don't have any teenagers, but I see them every day, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, and I feel like I'm their surrogate parent a lot of the time. So I can't relate to all of you who see yours or have seen yours 24-7 for several years. So I don't have all of those amazing stories, but I have hopefully a different perspective that will make you feel better about being a parent and blaming some of the crazy things that they do on something other than yourselves. So today I'm going to talk about the intricacies of the brain of which I'm really fascinated by. And I'm, I'm going to get a little sciencey but not too sciencey, so you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. But to start off, when you look at this, does this look familiar? (laughs) When you think about your teens, why is it they have such intense love for their first boyfriend and girlfriend? What is going on? I know they're not really in love, but they deny to me, like, you don't know what real love is. (laughs) Do I not really? (laughs) Or... You know, you see your teens who are um, doing the cinnamon challenge, right? Let me see how much cinnamon I can get in my mouth and see what happens afterwards. <laughs> right? What the heck is going on? Or the teens who are, as we talked about, constantly on their phones, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, they're glued to it. A lot of what I'm going to talk about actually piggybacks off of what uh, Christian said, but from kind of a brain scientific viewpoint a little bit. Um, or the teens who speed, um, hopefully not over 100 miles an hour trying to get away from a policeman, but some of them do do that, right? We also fear for our lives of them trying any alcohol or pot or, heaven forbid, have sex, unprotected sex, right? We're losing control, and I say we, and I mean not me yet, but we as in you know what I'm talking about. Why is this all happening? Well, let's talk about a couple of things that are going on. Hormones. We're all familiar with this, and we actually give hormones way more credit than they actually deserve. Okay? At this age, you have androgens like testosterone and estrogen taking full throttle over your sons and daughters' bodies. Right? We have increased aggression. We have thoughts about sex. We have... Um, menstrual cycles and mooniness we don't know how to handle or how to have the talk or we have the talk once and then we're done as we talked about um this increases aggression yes and this increases moodiness yes boys teenage boys end up producing 50 times the amount of testosterone in their bodies at this age than when they were younger that's a lot of testosterone right? But still, that's not one of the primary reasons why they are the way they are. The second thing that goes on that Christian also mentioned, why is their sleep schedule so messed up? It's like they're on a different time zone, and technically, they are. There's this amazing hormone called melatonin. Have you heard of it? Um, For adults like us, I I, I consider myself adult. I may not look like an adult, but I kind of am an adult. Um, This starts uh, releasing around 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and this release tells us, you're sleepy. 
okay? Go to bed. And one of the reasons it releases is because the sun goes down, it gets dark outside. For teens, when they have this surge of chemicals in their body, the melatonin gets messed up and delayed. And do you know when it's released? Midnight. One, two in the morning. Why? <laughs> right? And of course, during this time, not only is it released later, but teens need more sleep than children and adults, and they're most, they're most sleep-deprived of either one of them. And so they sleep until noon, 1, 2, 3, or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're like, you've been sleeping for so long. And to add on top of that, they're on their phones all night. That's telling the melatonin, don't release yet. Light is happening, right? So again, another reason to turn those phones off or put them in a basket before they actually go to bed so they're not on them, delaying the production of that melatonin. Again, not a huge part of your teen's life, but a part of it. Let's get to the real stuff. Here's where we get a little science-y. Okay, are we all familiar? We have a brain. <laughs> We're all, we got that. Excellent. Okay, next part. The first part of our brain to develop is called our primal brain, our reptilian brain. Hold up your hands for me into a fist like this. Um, Put it to the person next to you and go, you got it. That's the purpose of this part of your brain. It's to protect yourself. (laughs) Um, This is responsible for the fight or flight part, right? If you're familiar with that fear, danger, threats, Ah! we run, we freeze, we fight, Okay. A big part of this brain is something called the limbic system. Okay, it's a very complicated system. I'm only going to talk about three parts of it to kind of help you understand the context. This limbic system has three major parts that contribute to your teen's behavior. First part is the hippocampus. This is responsible for remembering things. This is why kids learn a lot better when they're younger. They just absorb everything. And sometimes you're like, you remember that? I hoped you wouldn't, right? <laughs> like certain words or things that you've done, you're like, oh, crap. And they're like, crap, crap. You're like, no. <laughs> so you've got this hippocampus. They remember everything. The second one, um, the striad- striatum, is responsible for rewards, right? Kids love reinforcement. Candy? iPhone? iPad? Can- yeah. I like that, right? Very responsive to rewards. And the third one that's not pictured on here, but in the same general area as the hippocampus and striatum, is called the amygdala. The amygdala is like the emotion center, and this is part of that fight-or-flight system. Okay, so this is where you experience a lot of your emotions. I'm so sorry. That wasn't for you. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) And I need to check my time. But in any case, so the amygdala, primarily emotions, fear is a predominant part of this, okay? This is a part of the brain that develops more fully and is in full capacity in teenage years. In fact, it's at such full capacity that um, this is the most sensitive and highly active part of the brain um, when you're a teenager, more so than adults and more um, than children. (sighs) But to add on top of things, okay, so um, we've got the system that helps me um, experience, process, and recognize emotions, kind of, okay? This part of the brain does not work by itself. Actually, to be more productive, it works with another part of the brain called the frontal cortex. Okay? If you could move on to the next slide. But an interesting thing is 
The frontal cortex has to do with things like planning, logic, emotional control, behavioral control, personality. And you know what? Teenagers don't have this. (laughs) This is like it's constructed, but it's in construction. It's out of order. (laughs) Why? Okay? Around the adolescent stage is when this starts constructing even more. But in order for this part of the brain... Uh, First of all, to be constructed and connect to the amygdala, it has to connect through chemical messengers, which I'll talk about in just one second. But the other sad part of the story before I get to the good news is that this does not fully develop until the mid to late 20s. I'm in my 30s. Mine just fully developed a couple years ago. Okay? Scary. But... um, You've got these kids who are, who are looking like an adult, right? And they're trying to act like one because they look like one, but they're not in here. But we can't see that. <laughs> it's like, oh, but you're doing what? Okay. So, he, so that's the bad news. The good news is during adolescence, this is a prime time for the brain to do two things, myelinate and prune. And if those sound really foreign to you, I'll explain them. Uh, myelination has to do with something in our brain called myelin. This is a fatty substance that covers um, billions of cells that we have in our brain and the rest of our body called neurons. Neurons are kind of like branch-like substances in our brain, like these tiny, tiny molecules that allow our brain to communicate within itself and to the rest of our body. These neurons allow us to speak, emote, move, kick, do a little dance, right? They enable us to do all of these things that we do. And the cool part is these neurons communicate through chemical messengers. You may have heard of things like dopamine and um, norepinephrine and serotonin, and if not, don't even worry about it. But they transfer messages to each other and form these huge networks through electricity. We are powered by electricity, and we don't need batteries or a plug. That's pretty advanced technology, right? Okay, so here's the cool part. The myelination part is this myelin that forms around these neurons actually makes messages travel really fast, which is why adolescents can pick up things pretty quickly if they want to, right? They're really quick learners. Great news. And as the brain is developing, you'll notice from this chart, you'll see it's kind of like red, yellow, green, and then it gets blue as it gets further on to your right. Um, When it's red, it means the brain is really dense and less myelinated. And as it gets darker, it means it's more myelinated, meaning that more of those neurons have this myelin that allows those messages to transfer really quickly. That also means this is a prime time for adolescents to learn good things, um, to, how do I say, hone in on certain skills, okay, to get better at things, to customize their brain. But if we have technology and things like um, Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, that's what their brain is going to, to get customized on. You know, oh, right? Why can't you pick an instrument or a subject or sport something else, please? <laughs> show, show, show that I've done something good for you. Okay? So good news is that they can do that, and some do, right? And some maybe more don't. I don't, you know, I don't know, depending. So myelination is good. The other part is our brain prunes. 
And this is a literal, like, if you've gone out to your bushes, I hate pruning bushes. You know, you cut off the dead limbs that are not giving life to anything. Because up until this point, you've got all of these neurons connecting and making networks. And after a point, it's like, there's a lot of these, like, pathways we haven't used in a while that are no good. We need to get rid of them so we can make our brain more effective, right? This is all happening during adolescence. But again, it doesn't finish until mid to late um, 20s. So as a parent, that means, I have to put up with what until then? And then they go to college, thank goodness, or move out of the house, thank goodness, or get a job, whatever it is, or they're still at home. Oh, no. What do I do for the next few years? Okay. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on, but the brain is the primary part of this. And another part of this, too, is with that emotional center still really um, highly activated at this time. Um, Dopamine, which is responsible for um, feeling pleasure, it's released when we feel pleasure. Teens um, have a spike in this when they experience novel information, emotions, um, and things that bring them a lot of, a lot of reward and, and energy. Did I say that? Yeah, rewards, emotions, and novel information. And those things equate to things like alcohol, sex, drugs, um, speeding, um, getting involved or addicted to their phone, right? And there's research to say that we might even be more than addicted to our phones. We might be in love with our phones, which is kind of scary to think about, right? So... Um, This is why when you say, oh, go to school, and you're like, huh, that does not spike in dopamine for them, okay? Um, Driving fast, yes! Trying alcohol, drug, yes! Okay? Unsafe sex, yes! But the most dangerous of behaviors, and here's why, too, because your brain is specializing at this point. That's when drinking alcohol and smoking pot, even though we say pot's not that bad, oh, it is. Um, It is potentially addictive, and it can ruin their brains if they start doing this in adolescence for the rest of their lives. Pretty scary stuff, right? In other news, I don't know how inappropriate this is, but new research has even shown that for males specifically who smoke pot, um, it can dry up their testicles and make them fall off, right? Like pretty serious stuff. I know, inappropriate, maybe. <laughs> but there's, there's some serious business with this. So what can you do? I'm going to crunch this down, and some of you may even be doing this already. Even if that's not true, we're all telling ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. There's tons of, tons of research on it. <laughs> A little bit of research. Um, so how do we connect to our kids? And again, I'm not saying to excuse their behaviors, right? They can control and can't control some things, right? But as a parent, um, I will say this is the second most important time in their life for you to be a really invested parent. The first time is after they're born, when they need you to form a connection. The second time is when they look like an adult, but their brain is so confused and they have no idea what they're doing (laughs) even though they feel like they have to pretend like they do, um, they need you, okay? Speak their language, okay? Get to those emotions. They might not know what they're feeling. 
They, they experience these emotions and they act out on them impulsively because that's what's going on in their brain. But they need you to help train them to identify what's going on, to normalize and validate that, okay? doesn't mean you have to agree. I'm not saying that. You're like, this is ridiculous. Why are they feeling this way? I'm so sorry. You're feeling sad. Okay, you don't have to do that, but you can if you want. But validating that for them can be really helpful. In Scripture... We have stories of action-adventure, romance, poetry, um, mystery, fantasy. All of these things connect to us in different ways that, that we like, right? In the same way that does that for us, we need, to, we need to do that for our kids, right, for our teens. How can we connect to them and their language that they speak, okay? Aim for understanding, not agreement. Next one. I'll go through these really fast. Hold your judgment as much as you want to say that's the stupidest thing or you're an idiot. What the heck? You are not my child. Okay. If you can hold that um, and listen and respond to them in a, again, a listening, validating way. Okay. They may know and figure out down the road that was an idiot thing for me to do. But if you react, that tells them I can't talk to my parents. Okay. They don't understand me. Next one. Almost done. Intentionally make time. Look, I have car rides up there, too, and I didn't even add that um, before you talked, okay? They know when you're genuine and when you're not being genuine, making time, um, asking them questions, which I'll get to here in a minute. Car rides are great because nobody can leave. As much as you want to, you're on the road unless, you know, they try to get out of the car while it's driving, which hopefully that doesn't happen. (laughs) Child lock it before you get in the car, okay? Intentionally making time. Keep going to the next slide. Ask open-ended questions. And again, this takes a while. If you want to see any change in your teen, it takes a while to develop rapport with them. They have to know you are, they can trust you and you're being genuine because they can read right through you. If you want someone who's really good at keeping you accountable and observing your every mood, rent a teenager for a day, okay? You can have a really true stalker-like individual because they really do watch everything that you do and hold it against you, okay? Say what? And they speak it. And they speak it, yes. Yes. But the other piece, refrain from interrogating. Sometimes reflection is the best skill, right? Sometimes we want to ask who, what, where, when, why, how. And they're like, oh. You know, instead of that, we could say, you were 15 minutes past your curfew. Yeah, you know, and that, yeah, okay, something. (laughs) Yeah, leave the room. Ask their opinion, again, what Christian was saying. It feels good for them when you include them in the decisions that you make. We can talk about this more later, but, um, again, piggybacking off of what um, Christian said. And I think I have a couple more, maybe one more. Okay, again, admitting to your mistakes. This actually makes you more credible in their eyes, as hard as this is. I have a hard time doing this in my marriage. Sorry. <laughs> you know, and especially when they call you out for this. But to them, it's like, oh, they're human too. And it makes you more relatable to them. Okay? And I think, is that, is that the last one? Okay. So in that, maybe this makes you feel better, a little more about understanding their brain is out of whack and it's not you. Um, but hopefully you can take away some of these tips to know how can I reach my child based on what I know about them to connect with them better. Yeah.